Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, work begins on a new child care program for Ontario after Justin Trudeau and Doug Ford reach a deal. They are now joining families across the country uh, who are part of the Canada-wide Early Learning and Child Care Agreement. This agreement will save families on average of $6,000 starting at the end of this year. A poll suggests that nearly half of Canadians think the Liberal NDP deal will be good for the country. I think some of that, seeing people work together, seeing Justin Trudeau work with parties, and the implicit understanding that means you're not going to come back and ask me to go through an election again. I think Canadians are saying, look, I am exhausted with you guys. I want you to get to work. And the Liberal government enters into final negotiations to buy the F-35 fighter jet. This procurement has been an open, transparent, competitive and rigorous process for a simple reason. We need the right aircraft at the right price. This has been a hard-fought competition, and we thank all bidders for their participation. It's Tuesday, March 29th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Mark. So there had been a lot of expectation and speculation that the day would come when Ontario would would strike a deal with the federal government to lower the cost of child care to an average of $10 a day. And the deal is now done. It was announced yesterday. Doug Ford and Justin Trudeau, not natural allies in politics, uh, uh-huh. made the announcement together and, and lots of friendly words were exchanged. And now uh, this childcare agenda of the of the prime ministers and his governments is, is being moved to Canada's uh, most populous province. So I... I think that's a win for Justin Trudeau and a win for Doug Ford, who, by the way, is facing an election in just over two months. Very definitely. But I can't I don't blame political watchers or people who would listen to this podcast for having their heads spinning a bit, because last week and even a little bit yesterday in question period, there was all this talk that Justin Trudeau is now an NDP prime minister and that he's way too far to the left, and, you know, the socialist hordes are running Canada. And Monday, he is Doug Ford's best friend, and he's linking arms with a progressive conservative. And I I was trying to measure whether more kind words were said about Justin Trudeau by Jagmeet Singh or Doug Ford, and I think Doug Ford wins. (laughs) Doug Ford was definitely a lot kinder to Christopher Freeland than to to Justin Trudeau. This is a, a, a fascinating development. First of all, substantively, it's good for Ontario parents. As Doug Ford said on Monday, that's why they did it. Uh, by 2025, which is also a date from last week, we'll remember in the deal with the NDP, yeah. uh, by 2025, uh, Ontario parents will only be paying $10 for childcare. It'll be phased in kind of like dental care is being phased in federally. I was, I've been struck by, if you want to put these two announcements together from last week and this week, about how much we're talking about an expansion of the social safety net now. That we have come out of this pandemic with an idea that not only is the government a force in your life, but the government is an expanding force in your life. Whether it is for child care, which a new Democrat told me last week, is going to become like Medicare. 
a, a part of Canada. So you'll never see it being withdrawn. We're now talking about dental care, pharmacare. Uh, I don't think we're done talking about long-term care. So we are talking with the cooperation of New Democrats, Liberals, and Conservatives about the government having a place in your life, which is also interesting. We'll probably talk about this for the Conservative leadership race, too. Sure. Uh, Jean, Jean Charest came out on Monday and praised Doug Ford. He didn't really praise Trudeau, but by extension, I guess he did. But he praised that child care deal. So, that you know, being from Quebec, <clears throat> that's sort of natural that he would. But it's interesting to see a conservative leadership candidate congratulating a move of the federal government, <clears throat> federal liberal government. Sure. Um, and and again, you know, it, I think it's a win for Doug Ford with an election approaching that he's demonstrating that he can work with the federal government instead of being at odds with them. Um, uh, you know, so I, I don't, I don't see how, I mean, it's interesting that it took this long to get the deal done in a way because there were wins for both parties. It's very, it's very close to the election. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's an accident that it, it was strung out this long. Uh, there, there was, there was a bit about negotiating a, a kind of a sixth year into this as well. But the other key part of this is rebate checks. And I loved the moment at the press conference on Monday, when a reporter asked about the rebate checks for when they were going to start coming to Ontarians to to compensate them for the cost of childcare for some places, and Doug Ford said, "Which rebate checks are you talking about?" Admitting that he's sending out so many checks to Ontarians right now in advance <laughs> of an election that he's kind of lost track of them. Yeah. Um, but yes, um, I think you know. I would love to know what the conversations are are right now between Ontario Liberals and federal Liberals, because it looks like Justin Trudeau is kind of helping. First of all, if you're an Ontario Liberal and or a New Democrat, you're thinking, well, I've already got a Liberal New Democratic government in Ottawa. Maybe I want a Conservative in Ontario. That's the old pattern. Sure. Right? That very, different very ones. consistent pattern throughout Canadian history. Yeah. And there we have uh, Doug Ford acting like Bill Davis with Pierre Trudeau. You know, there, mm. there's, there's starting to be this, this connection between the two of them. I wrote um, an article quite a while ago now about the relationship between Freeland and Doug Ford, and people loved that article. People, yeah. uh, judging by how that. many people read that article, I think people wanted to see federal and provincial governments working together. Yeah. So that's another thing that the... The federal conservative race is going to have to think about, too. You know, perpetual opposition. Uh, you, you can't look like you're campaigning to be the opposition. you got to campaign to be governed. Yeah. Now, speaking of Canadians liking when people work together, uh, there was a new poll out by Abacus Data that showed that uh, by a two-to-one margin, Canadians are happy with the Liberal NDP deal that was struck last week. And I, I suppose that's not surprising because... Uh, it, if you add up the supporters of those two parties, it wouldn't quite get to that threshold, but it would, it would be a majority of, of Canadians. If you added up the support of the two parties, it would be close to 50%. Um, so it's, uh, you know, I'm sure it, it riles up the base when conservative leadership candidates and, and the current interim conservative leader talk about how this is a, a bad deal, a backroom deal, uh, uh, grasping at power, but it's it's probably not going to bring a lot of people over to the Conservatives. I remember 
it wasn't so long ago we were talking about Canadians' fury at an unnecessary election. Yeah. And throughout the election campaign, I thought, you know, most journalists, I think we probably talked about it, thought that business about the unnecessary election would die down throughout the campaign, but it was very active. It was it was definitely, it, it might have helped uh, tip Justin Trudeau from his, the hope for majority to minority was how angry people were about an election. So I think some of that, seeing people work together, seeing Justin Trudeau work with parties, and the implicit understanding that means you're not going to come back and ask me to go through an election again. I think Canadians are saying, look, I am exhausted with you guys. I want you to get to work. And I don't blame them. I kind of do too. And I'm I'm happy if, uh, in a nonpartisan way, if we get to go a few months without talking about a potential election too. Yeah. All right, Susan, let's talk quickly about a couple of other things. Um, we spoke of the conservative leadership race already. Uh, Pierre Poilievre, uh, one of the main candidates for the leadership, uh, was critical of go- the government's fiscal policy yesterday and said that he would do more if he was leading a government to normalize cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and make Canada the blockchain capital of the world. And this is kind of interesting because you can look at it from a policy perspective, uh, just a straightforward uh, idea around embracing these new technologies. Um, but there's something else at play here, too, because it's kind of an anti-government message. If you're if you're looking at these these digital currencies that are not linked to uh, any government or or state. And there are also the currencies that have been used by a lot of the people behind certain protest movements, including the trucker convoy. So uh, there are a lot of connections there on something really important there. I will admit, I don't really understand cryptocurrency and uh, the talk about blockchain, and I keep resolving to put it on my list of things to understand. But I do know what you say, that it is it is tied in with a distrust of uh, the, what governments and states and the markets, etc., have done to to currency and it's you know whether it's you're at the far end thinking the world economic forum is can you know the secret society conducting the world and but there is a constituency out there we saw them during the convoy protest as you said the the whole idea that you can no longer trust your government if you are fed up with governments and you're anti-institutional uh, to a, a large degree, conservatives have been playing to that in one form or another, and I think this is a, a, a gradation of the list. But you saw when, even when Harper was in power, they always picked Ottawa as their opponent, even though they were in charge in, in Ottawa. They were constantly saying that you know, big bad Ottawa. So I'm not surprised to see that this is going to be a plank in Polyev's platform. Yeah, anything that's even though he's an Ottawa MP, that, uh, you know, he's against Ottawa. It's one of the curious things, too. It's like mm. how Americans uh, who are angry at rich people made Donald Trump a billionaire president. But <laughs> that's a whole other story. All right. And finally, uh, uh, just briefly, Susan, the Liberals are into negotiations now to, to buy F-35 fighter jets. This is uh, perhaps the final phase of a very, very long process. Unbelievable. And I, I, I did go back yesterday and read the Liberal platforms, and it was the disappearing promise 
to scrap the F-35s. In 2015, Justin Trudeau said that they were not going to buy F-35s with unnecessary purchase. And now that, that sort of slipped out of the platform in, in 2019 and 2021. The, the, all the talk in the platform in, uh, in 2021 on defense and was, was about the military culture. Basically, that's all they were talking about in domestic issues. But this is a reflection, of course, of what's going on in Ukraine and Canada, you know, getting its act together on military procurement. Probably not an accident that the former procurement minister, Anita Anand, is now at defense. No. And there's probably conversations between her and... But um, I, from my reading of it, it doesn't sound like this is going to put Canada ahead of the game. It's, it's more of a game of catch-up. So, right. And nothing is in this is going to help the Ukraine immediately. Hmm. All right. Great to have your insights on all of this, Susan. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. That's Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. We wanted to make sure that we had something that actually uh, had a real benefit for constituents right across the country. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Montreal Gazette, Salima Nawaz argues Canadians have a lot to gain from the Liberal NDP deal. Nawaz writes... Parties with broad consensus on key issues agreeing to work together to make government more efficient. Isn't this exactly what we want? Those of us in the electorate who aren't political junkies would like a government that does its job and accomplishes good things for its citizens, preferably without wasting time trying to score points or trigger premature elections. In the Toronto Star, Tom Parkin considers the conservative anger over the Liberal NDP agreement. Parkin writes... We don't know how this story ends, but for conservatives, what's worrying is Jagmeet Singh and Justin Trudeau will write it. Maybe it does prove to be a historic error, but the conservatives' gut-sinking fear is that the deal's policies will be popular, and Singh's gamble will become a historic moment that propels his NDP forward and sidelines the federal conservatives. A hopeful new political dynamic comes from this deal, and the evidence it may succeed is signaled in the fear and anger of conservatives. At cbc.ca, Graham Thompson argues Alberta politics has entered the realm of absurd melodrama. Thompson writes, Alberta's political landscape is beginning to resemble a badly written soap opera. The only thing clear at this point is that instead of knowing Jason Kenney's fate on April 9th, we will have to wait until the mail-in ballots are counted on May 18th. But the story won't end there. If he wins, there will be continued dissent, accusations of dirty tricks, and more than likely a legal challenge. If he loses, there is a very real possibility that he will run again in a UCP leadership race against Brian Jean in a rematch of the bitterly contested leadership race of 2017. And Alberta's absurd political melodrama will continue. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will deliver a keynote address at the Globe Forum 2022 in Vancouver, followed by a news conference with Environment Minister Stephen Guilbeault and Natural Resources Minister Jonathan Wilkinson. He will also meet with the Premier of British Columbia before holding a discussion on climate action with local students. Minister Guilbeault and International Development Minister Harjit Sajjan will also be in attendance. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will take part in a town hall meeting with Deputy NDP Leader Alexandre Boulris. 
and Northern Affairs Minister Daniel Vandal will make a virtual announcement about an investment to support the Yukon tourism industry. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, March 29th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.